Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Jeffrey and Abuhai sharing their unexpected, unassisted home birth story. And while it wasn't something they had planned for, the experience was empowering leading Jeffrey to share with others that unassisted births are an option and understanding that you are your own primary care provider. Hello, Jeffrey and Abuhai. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having us. I'm so excited. Wonderful. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Um, Sure, I'm Jeffrey. Um, I'm an artist and a student midwife. And I live in Massachusetts with my boyfriend, Agbahai, and our nine-month-old, Yaya. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, um, that's the basic gist of, of us right now, you know, living in this COVID world. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And don't just, that's it, student midwife. Come on. <laughs> right. Black student midwife. That's all. Yes. Right. No big deal. No. How is it going for you though? How is that process? Um, so the process is um interesting right now because I don't know if you all are aware there's some legislation going on in Massachusetts that is trying to make it um harder for um student midwives who are going through the PEP process. Um, they're just trying to basically make the pet process null and void. And even midwives who have gone through the pet process already and who are practicing midwives, they're trying to make it so that um, even those ones have to like go through another round of schooling or training or, you know, a lot of other drama and unnecessary things. So that's, um, just kind of, we're just kind of in limbo right now, wondering what's going to happen. Um, and also I became a student. Why I became, I started the program and then found out I was pregnant maybe two weeks after. <laughs> so, um, that was fun. Just navigating that during my pregnancy and then the start of COVID, um, then going to, you know, all virtual classes, which was, it's, you know, a difficult thing to do being a a midwifery student. And, you know, then just kind, because I don't have a, um, an apprenticeship yet because I have a baby now, Um, but just trying to finish the classing part and then, you know, find a, a, um, an apprenticeship, during COVID with a new baby. So, you know, and also I'm just found out I'm not pregnant again. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> it's just a lot. So um, like all the midwives, uh, my mentors, my instructors have said, it can be a process. You know what I mean? It can take years. Mm-hmm. It can take, you know, however, however long it takes, that's how long it takes. That's what they always say. That's how long it takes. Um, there have been plenty of midwives I know and that I know of who have taken a sabbatical, you know, for their children for and just done doula work, you know, done other birth work in between. So, you know, that's where we are right now. But, you know, we're still still trucking one day at a time. Exactly. <laughs> The legislation piece is trash, but yeah. the <laughs> the other parts, um, one day at a time. And I just, there's just so many, I mean, you know, getting back to the art in the community of midwifery, just, it's so disheartening all the pieces to dismantle and mm-hmm. create barriers for um, something that is so rooted in community. Um, exactly. That should just be easy and accessible. Exactly. We could do a whole show about that, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's really interesting. We were even uh, my midwifery group. We were even having a discussion about just you know, just the idea of like guerrilla midwifery. Just you know, but it's kind of hard because you know, 
the communities today, they want credentials, they want, you know, X, Y, and Z, which is understandable. You understand both sides, you know, you understand, you know, the history of, you know, the black midwives in the South who had no credentials. They weren't practicing with any CPMs, none of that, you know, but then also understanding people's minds and how, you know, that makes a difference to them and, you know, liabilities and legalities and things like that. So, you know, I understand both sides. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Um, yes. Uh, I honestly love being pregnant. <laughs> I loved being pregnant. Um, it was it was really amazing an amazing experience for me personally. My pregnancy was you know normal with what they call in the birth world uneventful, um, <laughs> you know no real complications other than you know high blood pressure reading here or there, um, you know. But I I really loved being pregnant. Um, I kind of waited <laughs> a little while to. Um, go into care with a midwife. I, I always knew I wanted to have a home birth. Um, and I always knew I wanted to um, have midwifery care during my pregnancy. But I waited a little while, probably till I was, I don't know, 24 <laughs> weeks, 23 weeks pregnant to even, um, I asked one of my instructors um, to be my midwife. And uh, of course she said yes. and. But I, being a midwifery student during this whole, during my pregnancy, you know, right at the beginning of my pregnancies when I, you know, started. So going through that whole process, just, it really just showed me a new perspective, like learning things as they're happening to your body, learning, you know, the physiology of things as it's happening. Um, that was a really, you know, unique experience for me. Um, but other than that, I loved, I loved everything about being pregnant. I, you know, was just obsessed with like any little growth my I thought my belly was getting. And then like looking back on it, I'm like, mm, that ten week belly really wasn't there. But <laughs> but it's okay. Um, but yeah, just I I really loved being pregnant, and it was just it was it felt very easy and natural to me, um, which was which was great is great. I know you said you um, started your care a little late, but what was the preparation for birth? What were, were you mindful about the things you could do or was it kind of like just going with the flow? Um, I was definitely mindful about um, just prepping for birth. Um, but I would say the prep was more mental, um, more emotional, more spiritual than anything. Um, I'd like to say I'm a pretty healthy person. Like I said, my pregnancy was uneventful. So, um, you know, I tried to stay active, but most of my, um, <laughs> most of my prep was mostly mental um, and just getting into a good mental space. And I feel like getting in touch with my intuition was really important reconciling any my relationship with pain obviously you know people talk about birth you know our my mother my aunts my grandma they're like oh you know it's so painful how we see birth in movies it's like you know screaming crying you know banging on everything which of course birth can be that but um people always say how painful it is so just my just thinking about my relationship with pain in general um you know, whether it be just trauma or anything like that. I feel like that was that was really helpful for me. Um, just, you know, learning to really get in tune with my body, trusting myself, trusting, um, you know, my body, my own intuition. And obviously being a midwifery student, that was like, I'm studying <laughs> all the time. I'm, you know, reading a bunch of books and I know, pregnant people all over they usually read you know you know read a few things during, while they're pregnant a lot of the time so i think that's pretty normal but more than anything i feel like tapping into um my own like intuitive knowledge was 
you know, more helpful than anything, just because even when I decided to go into um, to when I decided to hire my midwife, I told, you know, the midwife team, I was like, initially, I wanted to have a plan unassisted birth. I was like, oh, I always wanted to like have an unassisted birth. I knew I wanted to have a home birth, but I was like, I, I think I can do this. That's what I'm telling them. I'm like, I think I can do this. And I told Agbahai, I was like, I think, I think we we can do this. But we decided together that, you know, it's our first baby. So maybe someone should be in the room because we've never done this before. So we decided together, maybe someone should be there, you know, just in case. But I always had it in my, in my head, um, that like I wanted to have an unassisted birth. So that was in the back of my head. And even one of my midwives during one of our appointments, she, you know, asked me to write down my ideal birth if everything went how went exactly how I wanted to go. And it was very simple. I was like, oh, short labor. <laughs> like short labor, you know, I want it to be the evening. She was like, write down specifics, how you want it to smell, the sounds you want, you know, and I'm writing all those things down. And I didn't, you know, I didn't write anything after I read it over. There was nothing about my midwives in there. It was just me, Agbahai, and then the baby came and everything was great. <laughs> um, you know, I labored in the in my in my um, imaginary birth. I labored in the tub for a little and, you know, the baby came and everything was beautiful. That's how. But even in even my own realistic mind and being a midwifery student, I even, you know, was thinking, I know this birth isn't going to be pain-free. So I didn't even write pain-free <laughs> in my fantasy birth <laughs> because I, I'm like, let's, we're going to be completely realistic here. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was um, just journaling. I feel like that was a really helpful exercise and um, just to have, you know, um, I'm so I'm really glad they did that. They had me do that, but just tapping into my own, my own intuition, my how how I really wanted things to go. I feel like, and how powerful I really am. How you know I can do this, and I have to do it. Even with a full midwifery team, even with a full OB team, I have to do it no matter what. Like no one can do it for me, anyways. So um, just really tapping into that was probably my main preparation. Um, definitely. And, um, yeah. And my midwifery care was great. It was, it was pretty simple. Um, because I feel like my midwife knew because she was my instructor and I'm, you know, coming to class pregnant. So she knew that I didn't want like any overpowering, overbearing care, you know? So, you know, I'm not going to say she did the bare minimum, but she did what I wanted. You know, she didn't like force anything on me. If there was, you know, any uh, concern, she was just, you know, laid everything flat out and said, this is a concern. These are your options. This is what do you want to do or what do you not want to do? And that was it, you know, so it wasn't any, it was really like amazing care. I, you know, I really love her for that. So yeah, that was pretty much our, you know, our main prep, um, the main prep for, for the birth. I love that exercise. Um, being able to just kind of sit and write out, you know, what your vision is before you're told anything else. Like even before you're told what your, you know, options are just really having the space to write out what you actually see in your, your mind and your body about what you want your experience to be. I really, really like that. Um, and I, is Agbahai still here? I wanted to kind of get his, um, you know, reflection on. You said it was definitely a conversation about having an unassist, a planned, unassisted birth. Um, right. But wanting to know what his reflection was about that and what his prep looked like. Like on the day of, or just in general? In general and day of. What were your thoughts? What were you um, doing to be ready? Um, I think. For me, it's just more so just like paying attention to her, um, listening to her and just noticing like what she needs, what she doesn't need is just as important as what she needs. Also, um, learning as much as I can, listening, because like she's always, you know, like she said, watching your podcast. So she's always learning things and she would just tell me, um, you know, random stuff like, OK, this can happen, that can happen. <laughs> and also when we did go up to see the midwives also, they kind of like let me know okay like 
this could happen and you know um you just let me know various things that could happen and also kind of just um you know as a I don't, I don't know how it is for other expecting dads but you kind of just worry about everything you know even now with the baby it's like don't go there you can hit your head there you can hit your head there you can hit your head here um it's like you know so just kind of like trying to tone that down um tone that down as much as i can so i can be in the moment and um be present and be available to to help you know like uh i was trying to make the bed when she was going into labor and i it took me like <laughs> it took me like 30 minutes to put on the, the bed sheet because i was like uh oh. i was like Which, where's the top <laughs> where's the top <laughs> Where's the top? I put the top on the side and it was wrong and I redid it again and I put the top on the side again. So just things like that. Um just trying to be calm. Um really just trying to be calm and just just listening, just listening to her. And at the, at the end of the day, it's it's a nat- remember and it's a natural process. So um just trust like you said, like she said, trust yourself. It's a natural process. We are, you know, I'm designed to support her and be there for her just as much as she's designed to to do this and to to go through it. So it's just really just a lot of trust and um, just paying attention. Oh, my God. I just got like the chills when you said that. (laughs) I know it's like corny me, but (laughs) it's a lot of trust, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's so true. It is. I just love how you said that, you know, we often think of how um, a woman's body is designed for the work and decide kind of stuff like he was designed to support. And of course, that trust. Right. Beautiful, beautiful, huge part of it. And it's not just trust between the two partners, of course, but then everyone else around you um, that helps cover the story and keep everyone protected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was definitely during during the pregnancy. I, de- I definitely was the person like, hey, did you know this and that? <laughs> hey, did you know this could happen? Or like making little lists for him like <laughs> this is this is what we need to do. Like all of this, you know, all of these things need to be done before I give birth. Like, you know, some ridiculous list. So I'm definitely I was definitely that person who's <laughs> who's making the list and, you know, just wanting him to know as much as possible, even though we decided to, you know, have a a midwife at our birth um, supporting us. Like I wanted him to know as much as possible. And, you know, because even if like, obviously we ended up having an unassisted birth, you know, if something happens, like you need to know what to do because I had never been in labor before. So I'm like, I don't know what state of mind I'm going to be in. I don't know. I don't know what what to expect. I've never experienced this before. So I need someone to be in their right mind just in case I'm not. So, you know, and I chose um, I chose not to have a doula, um, not for any particular reason, because I love doulas and I respect doulas so much. And like that work is really, really important. But I just didn't feel called to have one. And also I didn't, um, I know a lot of doulas and I didn't um, at the time feel um, like I wanted anyone in particular there um, besides Aigbahai. And we were planning to have my mom there, but because of COVID it didn't happen. So, um, but yeah, so I just didn't, so I just wanted him to know as much as possible and, you know, and he did. <laughs> and he did. He was he was there to just learn and absorb everything. So it was great. All right. Tell us about your birth. Wow. <laughs> Man. So that the that day was pretty interesting. Um I didn't know I was in labor. <laughs> I really didn't. And I don't know if it was the pain that I had reconciled with or what, but I, we had been, um, we had visited, um, Aigbahai's parents. Um, they live, um, not like, you know, seven minutes from us and we had visited, it was Aigbahai's mom's birthday and we went to visit them and came home, you know, later in the evening, probably around nine. And as soon as I got home, I was feeling like, mm, like I'm not feeling myself. 
I was like, oh, something's weird, but whatever. I ignored it. Um, so I immediately, I just go lay down, you know, take a shower, go lay down. And then I, um, <laughs> I was very, I was getting frustrated because I had, I just bought a bunch of groceries to prep for like after labor, to prep a bunch of food, to freeze, you know, for after, after I give birth, like I wanted to make a few things and I bought a few things and I had like some bean soaking. It's still in the freezer. <laughs> What's in the freezer? The veggies and stuff. No, that's not there anymore. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. No, we threw it out. We threw it out. <laughs> but <laughs> they were still in the freezer. But I had um I'd prepped a bunch of things and it's funny, those beans that I put that I was soaking, they ended up sprouting, like because they stayed in the pot because I ended up giving birth, you know, later on that evening, so I couldn't even make them. Um but yeah, I wanted to prep for a bunch of things, but I just wasn't feeling right. So I'm like, let me lay down. So by around like 10, between between probably 10, 11 p.m. and like 2 a.m., I was probably in labor, but I didn't know. I was having contractions. I was feeling these waves, but I kept telling myself and I was telling Akbah, I was like, this isn't labor. I was like, this, I'm not in labor. This isn't because they were, you know, strong. I thought they were just strong Braxton Hicks. I was like, this isn't, this isn't really labor. And I, so in between, like just laying down, I would, you know, bounce on the yoga bar, just walk around, you know, have some water and just try to figure out what was happening to my body. But I'm like, I did, I thought it was anything except labor. Um, so even at, at one point, maybe around 11, I even called my midwife just to tell her, you know, I'm like, hey, this is happening. But I think because my attitude was so nonchalant about it, she was just like, OK, you know. Thanks for telling me, you know, keep keep in touch if anything happens. And I'm like, OK. Um, and I'm I'm telling you, I had no clue. So I. um so I just I decided to lay back down and then probably around two and at this point before before this my contractions they were pretty close together. They were pretty close together, but I'm just I I couldn't I was in disbelief. I was in denial. <laughs> and so by um by like two, two thirty-ish, I got up and I just kept having to like just go sit on the toilet, go sit on the toilet. And I'm like, why do I need to sit on the toilet so much? At one point, I like went to the toilet and wiped, lost my mucus plug. I'm and I see like the mucus. I'm like, oh, that's my mucus plug. Cool. But you know, that doesn't mean anything. You know, sometimes people, you know, don't go into labor for days after losing their mucus plug. That means nothing. <laughs> Like, I'm thinking, because I have so much, like, knowledge, you know, and just brain stuff. I'm like, you know, that doesn't mean anything. People, you know, that, that means nothing. So, lose my mucus plug. And then, and my contractions are pretty strong at this point, And I'm still ignoring that fact. And I go to lay down, probably by, you know, and I'm, I'm not sleeping at all. I'm just laying <laughs> laying down, bouncing, laying down, bouncing, probably by 3.30 or so, I get up and go to the bathroom again. And I'm there and I'm like, okay, something is happening. Something, something's actually happening. So I tell, I yell for Agbahai. I'm like, come here. Like I yell, yell at him to come here. I'm like, come here, come here. And then I'm like, call Rebecca, call Rebecca. That's my midwife. <laughs> and he's like trying to get into my phone, call her, calls her. And I tell her, what did I say? I said something really crazy because I was mid contraction. And I said something like, um, it feels like, like I'm pooping a bowling ball or something like that. I don't know. Something, yeah. something like that. Something to that. And Rebecca's like, okay, I'm on my way. <laughs> so I start just barking orders to Agbahai. I'm like, go to the bed, go prep the bed. You need to put the plastic sheet on. Put the, I told him, I told him, put the new sheet, then the plastic sheet, then the old sheet on top of that. And I'm telling him this all, and I'm laboring on the couch while he's doing that. And I'm like, why is this taking him so long? 
and he mentioned earlier that he put the sheet on wrong, but also he tried to put a crib sheet on the bed at one point. So I'm like, why is the crib sheet out? <laughs> and, and I'm just like, what's happening? So in between him, another reason it took him so long to put the sheets together, because every, like, however fast my contractions were coming, probably four, three, I don't know. I don't even know. So fast, back to back. I was in between every contraction, he would go do the bed. And then when there was a contraction, he'd have to come to me to hold my hand so I can like squeeze it while I'm going through these waves. And so he's like back and forth. And that's another reason why it took him so long to do it because, and I'm like, we have a um, birth kit that we got. So, you know, it has Chuck's pads and everything, all, you know, all those stuff in it. And so I'm like, make sure the um, birth birthing kit is out whatever, like take some Chuck's pads out. I tell him to bring a Chuck's pad to me, to the couch, just in case I give birth on the couch. So then at one point, he still hasn't finished the bed. And I tell him to get the flashlight and look to see if something is coming out of me. So he looks and he's like, something is there. And I'm like, (laughs) and so I feel for it and it's not a head. And I'm like, is this my amniotic sac, like bulging? what is this? So I tell him, I'm like, okay, just FaceTime, FaceTime um, Rebecca right now and like ask her what it is. And so she's like, oh yeah, it's your sack. It's your sack bulging. And she's like, I'm, you know, not close. <laughs> so, well, she, she's not far, but you know, she's probably about halfway, halfway to me. And so she's like, oh, that's your sack, you know, asking how I'm feeling. She, you know, you're doing great, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. At this point, I FaceTime my mom on the iPad. So we have Rebecca on the phone, FaceTime my mom on the iPad, FaceTiming her. And (laughs) then at one point I moved from the bed, moved from the couch to the bed. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to labor here. But the contractions were too much. And I was like, the bed... I can't, I can't get comfortable. I can't do anything. I can't, I don't know what I need right now. I don't, I don't, I don't know what state of mind I'm in. Um, So I move, I go to the bathroom. I'm like, I need to sit on the toilet. I need to sit on the toilet. I tell him to bring Chuck's pads to the bathroom. Um, And then next thing I know, I'm on the floor of the bathroom and my um, the sack burst, my water breaks, it burst. And I see that it's not clear. I see, you know, that it's meconium stained and I don't, it doesn't register to me that, um, there's meconium. I'm just like, Oh wow. Like, you know, the water, my water broke. I'm telling Rebecca, um, everything's fine. My mom's on there, you know, just everyone's cheering me on. And I'm just, I can't believe I'm about to give birth right here, right now on the bathroom floor. And then next thing you know, with the next contraction, he's crowning, I'm crowning. Um, And I like just have my hand on his head. I'm like, oh my God, there's hair there. That's a head. It's, it feels like this is really crazy. And I'm having all of my like subconscious thoughts are just, so intense because I'm obviously feeling the contractions, but also like my, my head is somewhere else. My head is like watching, watching me, watching all of this happen. So, you know, it's like, I'm talking to myself while this is all going down, which was so weird. So with the next contraction, his head comes out fully and I'm just like, (laughs) I'm like the head's out and then and then Ibahai is a little freaked out because even though they already told him, my midwife told him at the home visit, the head will come out and sometimes it doesn't move. You know, it doesn't cry. It's just the head sitting there. And so he's like, <laughs> he's so freaked out because it's just the head there, not moving not crying just there so he just he has the phone like up to me like Rebecca is this normal (laughs) like what's going on and um so 
he's freaking out and she's like, it's fine. It's fine. Like everything's okay. Um, you know, and she says, you know, with the next contraction, the body might not come out. Well, you know, and she's just, you know, talking us through everything. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm hearing her, but I'm not hearing anything she's really saying. So I start to feel another wave of contraction coming on and I'm telling myself in my head, I remember this so vividly. I'm like, this contraction in the middle of contraction i'm saying this contraction isn't strong enough to push this body out i'm saying that i'm like this contraction because i never really pushed i just let the waves just you know take over just let the waves every time there's a contraction i just you know was just trying to breathe just focusing on my breath and you know letting him come but i told myself i was like this contraction isn't strong enough to bring his body out so when his body came out with that contraction, I was completely shocked and completely, I mean, our hands were ready, but you know, babies are very slippery <laughs> and I'm on the floor anyways. I'm like, I have like my one leg up or something. And, um, I, and I had, I really didn't think he was going to come out with that contraction. I'm like, there's no way. And the fact that I was even cognizant enough to be thinking this contraction isn't that strong. I was like, there's no way, there's no way it's going to, he's going to come out now. And he just, he came right out. (laughs) And so he came out into our hands, like, and his legs flopped on the floor and (laughs) and he was bored. And I'm like, um, and I'm completely in shock because I didn't expect him to come out. And I, you know, I have a baby now. And so obviously um, Rebecca knows that there's meconium. She didn't, because she saw on FaceTime and everything and she's still not there. She's like, I'm 15 minutes away. And I'm like, okay. She's like, is he breathing? Um, He was taking really um, short, shallow breaths. And so she um, is just walking me through. She was just like, um, lay him down and just give him a couple of breaths, you know, just put your hands around his mouth and uh, put your lips over his and give him a couple of breaths. And so I did that, you know, would flip him, rub him on his back. And, you know, he started coughing and everything was, you know, everything was fine. And I really, the, the, every time I think about that moment, I think about how I didn't have any fear. Like I wasn't afraid. I wasn't, you know, I had the idea that anything could happen. You know, anything could, I already had that idea in my head, but I feel like that was a really important part for me to like not be afraid and not freak out in that moment because my midwife wasn't there and you know he wasn't taking the best breaths at the moment so i just had to you know right away get into mommy mode and just you know just do it so th- that was a really really important moment and then he he still didn't cry he never really, even to this day like this is the best baby because he's really never cries <laughs> So I'm like, I don't know if that was just a precursor. He just kind of screams, but um, he he never really cries. And so he didn't, he was just coughing. And so finally, um, Rebecca, she's on the phone. She was like, okay, well, I'm 15 minutes away and your placenta will probably come out by the time I get there. And as she's saying that, my placenta slips out and I'm like, oh, my placenta just slipped out actually. So so that's it's just and we didn't even have enough chucks pads on the floor we only had one (laughs) only had one so we're trying to maneuver you know everything there's towels we're like getting everything um but yeah it was it was a really really amazing and just like eye-opening experience um when Rebecca finally got there 15 minutes later, we're still on the bathroom floor. We have him wrapped up, you know, just still rubbing his back, still, you know, making sure, you know, he's good. And she comes, she's, um, she just cuts the cord because it had been long enough and she wants to go ahead and like, you know, check him out to make sure he's all good. She listens to his lungs. His lungs are clear. Thank goodness. Um, which is always the fear when, you know, when there's meconium, you know, 
it's, you know, it doesn't always happen, but, um, you know, the baby can aspirate some of the meconium and can get into the lungs. That's always the fear. So she listened to his lungs. His lungs were great. And um, he started, you know, to become a little bit more active as um, as we were going. So my mom's on there cheering me on and she's calling me. She's like, you're a beast. You're a beast. <laughs> I'm like... I'm just like, thanks, mom. And she's, I know, like, in the moment, she's just, like, texting everyone she can, like, my, my daughter's a beast. And because everyone's, like, later on, everyone's calling me, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. And, you know, it was just, it was really, like, a really empowering, you know, just experience. And obviously, it was, it ended up being the the birth that I wanted anyways, like unintentionally. So I don't know if me not believing my contractions were contractions was like my subconscious, you know, not wanting my midwife to really get there on time. I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I really don't know, but it ended up being the the birth I really wanted to have anyways, um, you know, minus meconium, but it was still, it was still great. It was still amazing. And, you know, we still got this amazing little boy out of it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it really amazing. There's something very powerful. There's something very powerful about a woman being able to give birth on her own terms. Um, but then like just giving birth in general, you can always go back to that thing you did, right? Like whenever hard times come up for you, whether that's in postpartum, in work, relationships, you're like, I gave birth. I can, I can do this. It's fine. I can do it. It's like, like anything else that comes up, you're just like, I birthed a whole human. And exactly. You okay. feel like, <laughs> exactly. I felt like the baddest bitch alive. There you go. a whole human at your house. Exactly. Like, wow. What do you, what do you want? What else do you need? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to go back in. Uh, as Ibahai about when Yaya's head came out, and I, <laughs> I think about the first time I ever attended a birth as a uh, as a doula. How surprising it was to see, like, not being the birthing person, but like actually watching it, and being like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Tell us about that moment. <laughs> oh. I think because of the the way it also happened, like it just shot out and one. It wasn't like a gradual, like you could see, like first I saw the hair, the hair is coming out, and then like you know, like the <laughs> the head just comes out, and then it stops. It's not like it's not even like one motion. It just stops right there. It's like yeah, like it's just there, and it doesn't do anything. I was like, <laughs> like do something, you know? Like you can't you can't hit the head, but if I could, I'd like. Hey, <laughs> just do something, you know. It's just, it's just really, it was just, it was like a, um, you know, the dolls, you know, the, the, like the creepy dolls. It was like reminiscent of that a bit for me, but you know, it wasn't, it, yeah, I wasn't like really like terrified, but it was just like, come on, man, this is like weird. And it was, I had that image in my head for so long, for like, I think I'm just like, getting over it because like yeah i just i just re always remember that image it's just like what <laughs> it's just it's just uh it was it was just yeah and it's That's even it it's honestly even funnier because he recorded my whole my entire birth right on his phone and so he had his phone the worst angle i've ever seen <laughs> like mortified it was the worst angle but he had his phone just like propped up in the bathroom behind me and you know I'm like on my hands and knees at points and like so it's just behind and I see like his I'm like notice watching the video you can see his reaction you can see him like put the phone up to to me like asking Rebecca if this if this is normal and like he's just like silent like what what's happening <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it was really 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 amazing uh but no he did great he did really great like after after yaya was you know breathing and better you know in the moment before my midwife had gotten there i he, i didn't tell him this until probably recently because i didn't 
know if he wanted me to notice. But I'm like, you know, just kind of with Yaya and just, you know, rubbing his back and, you know, just in that new brand new mommy moment. And like, I look up and I is just over us, praying over us. And like, I, I, his eyes were closed. So he didn't know that I noticed him doing it. And I didn't tell him for a long time, probably like just a couple months ago, I told him that I noticed that. And it was just such a beautiful moment because, you know, he was fully in the moment and just fully, you know, making sure we were good and protected and like, you know, having our back. So it's a good and yeah, yeah, I was born on Father's Day. So it was just it was a great <laughs> it was really a great um, like a great moment for us all, honestly. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think, you know, it speaks to when you are able to birth undisturbed, without distractions, you're able to really have those moments, right? You're able to sit in those moments, reflect in on those moments um, when birth is peaceful in that way. Right. You know? Exactly. 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 Yeah. It was, you know, it was really, it really changed my, my midwife made sure to tell me, she was like, every birth isn't going to be like this. Just a, <laughs> all your births after this, they may or may not be like this. So don't, don't get your hopes up, you know, not to like scare me or anything. It was mostly a joke, but you know, she was like, you pretty much had a butter birth, what she calls a butter birth, which is smooth. So <laughs> she was like, everyone, you know, everyone, but I, I feel like the most important part for me was just um, just having the idea that anything could happen in my head, but also knowing, you know, what I want. There's a good balance of just having the knowledge and doing, you know, whatever amount of research you feel like you can handle and um listening to other birth stories of you know podcasts and doing the research you feel like you need to do but also just listening to yourself i feel like that's the perfect balance to have in whatever birth experience you want to have um i feel like that's just really you know really important so i feel like that's why that's part of the reason you know everything went so well for us because i had zero expectations, but also, you know, had an idea of what I wanted to happen. So how was your postpartum experience? Um, it was good. It was um, because, you know, the going into my second trimester into my third um, is when COVID started. And I knew that, you know, my mom probably wasn't going to be able to come to the birth because everything was so new. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know, you know, how, what COVID was, what it, what we were going to be dealing with. So we knew she probably wasn't going to be there for the birth and the postpartum period. So I kind of prepared myself for that, um, her not being there right away. Um, Igbahai's family, his parents live close to us. So, you know, that was good. I feel like prepping for people to just be able to do everything for you or you to like do the bare minimum is important. Like I said, I plan to prep a bunch of food, but that didn't happen. But it was still, it was still fine because Igbahai's mom, she was bringing us food like every other day, you know, making sure we were eating, making sure like, you know, we didn't have to worry about that. Igbahai was amazing because I'm kind of like a, I like to clean. And so, you know, he was making sure that all of the things that I would normally like clean and be doing, like he was doing those little things for me. My um, midwives, their, their postpartum care, obviously, like you two know that the midwifery postpartum care can be, a, is usually a lot more extensive with, um, some midwives. So it was great. They were there often checking on me, um, just, you know, willing to asking if we need groceries, asking if we need, you know, whatever we need, if we need anything at all, they were there. Um, I did have, Yair did have a um, slight tongue tie, um, 
and he it was fine getting him to latch, but his latch just felt a little when he was nursing, he just felt a little clicky. And so um, when he was trying to suck, so like two days later, I had we found my midwife found a lactation consultant that was doing home visits, which was great. Um, so she came, did a consult and she was like, it's not it wasn't very severe at all. And she didn't necessarily recommend um, getting it lasered or snipped or anything. So she just gave us a few exercises to do, um, just to exercise his jaw, loosen it up and everything. And she mentioned that a lot of the time when babies come fast like that, they have a lot of tension in their jaw and in their mouth area. So she just gave us some little exercise to do to help loosen up his jaw, his lips and everything. And that was helpful. Um, and it made the breastfeed. It made it because those first couple of times breastfeeding, you're like, okay, this is new. So I don't know. If it, I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. I don't know if it's supposed to be clicky. I don't know. So um, it made, but it made it a lot easier to know that. Like, I recommend anyone, whether there's like a tongue tie or not or whatever, to just if there's a lactation consultant available to you, like it's always, it's always helpful. Like going breastfeeding for the first time or even any other time, it's really helpful. You know, they can help you latch, you know, get the proper latch, getting all the tips. And uh, my lactation consultant, she was very helpful. She was always, you know, willing to take my calls and texts and everything. So that was great. Um, yeah, but it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. I decided to um, stay inside for, well, we were in a lockdown anyways, but I had already decided uh, that I was going to um, stay inside for 40 days with the baby, you know, just to, um, you know, just to bond and just to not have to do anything and not have to worry about anything. That was, that was a really great idea for me, even though we weren't doing, again, we're in COVID, we weren't doing anything, but we weren't going to go to the park or like really go anywhere besides our porch. Um, and I feel like that really helped the bonding between us and it helped even the breastfeeding, like, because again, they were hiccups. And so it helped me really like focus on, you know, getting a proper latch, making sure he was, you know, gaining and making sure he was, we were both good, taking care of myself. I wasn't, I was doing basically nothing. <laughs> I was pretty much just in bed, laying down with him, you know, and just in our little bubble, in our little postpartum bubble. So that was, it was, you know, it was a great experience, I think, considering the COVID. <laughs> considering COVID. Absolutely. COVID has definitely changed the face of postpartum healing and support and what it can look like, um, especially when you're trying to keep everyone safe, but also recognizing that new parents do need hands-on support so heavy at times. Um, and some people are fine with it. It gives them, you know, of course, the other side is you don't have to deal with telling people they can't come over and all that stuff, but sometimes near why shower or you know, the dishwasher or, you know, just the simple little things that do become um, a little more challenging. I'm glad you were able to get that postpartum support, especially in person, um, because I know that a lot of um, lactation counselors are dealing with that, like trying to, you know, diagnose things that are going on um, virtually and getting a really good high on things that you can normally see easily when you're face to face, right? Um, but it's also causing us to stretch ourselves a bit, right? And just kind of figuring out new ways to do things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And do you have, is there like anything else that you would like to share with our listeners, any resources or advice or anything else from your birth that you think might be supportive to someone else? Um, I just, I just want to say that whatever birth experience you want to have, however, you know, I want listeners, other birthers to know that you have the power. Um, you are the one giving birth no matter what. 
no matter where it is, no matter if it's in your home, hospital, C-section, you know, you are the, you are the most powerful one in the room, no matter what. Um, listening to your intuition is, was probably the most important key for me, like during my entire pregnancy and birth experience, because, you know, you can read a ton of birth books, a ton of pregnancy books, but there's something to be said about just um, that intuitive knowledge that everyone has, that you know, this isn't right. This is right. Maybe I should be doing this or, you know, being able to, when you have that and when you really tap into that intuitive knowledge, I feel like it makes it a lot easier for um, birthing people to advocate for themselves and, you know, or to even help other people advocate for you. You know what's best for you. You are, you know, the one in charge of your body and you can say, you know, yes or no to anything you want. You can have you know, you can have the birth you want and you can feel empowered in any birth experience that you have. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for that additional advice because yes, that is key. Um, walking into a space when you're giving birth and having enough trust in yourself um, to know that you know what's going on more than you thought you did, right? So especially with you being a first time and really being able to tap into that, that was amazing. And I, I wish that for every birthing person. Um, all right, I appreciate you guys stepping in today with us. Thank you so much. I really just love this um, platform so much. <laughs> and like I said, I listen to this podcast so much and is really yeah this is just a, a great um platform to just hear different types of stories hearing all different stories was another thing that was really helpful for me just hearing different perspectives and everything so what you what you ladies are doing is really amazing well thank you so much we love to hear that we love to hear that our intention are being lived out within this space and that it's not People always think like, is there like a certain criteria? And I'm like, no, you, you gave birth in some way, shape or form. And if you are ready to share, come on. You know? Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.